0: Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 17 of Defining Talent, a podcast. I'm your host, Laura Dickinson-Turner, and today I'm joined by Dr. Michael Caldwell, who has had an impressive career both in higher education and in music performance. So he's gotten to develop and pursue several talents, while also nurturing and mentoring others in their development and pursuit of their own talents. Michael is a passionate educator, and his curiosity and verve is evident in this episode, which was recorded in the last few weeks of his term as the chair of the music department at Cal State LA. Currently, he's enjoying a deserved sabbatical, and he returns to the music department in spring 2024 as a professor. So without further ado, here is Defining Talent with Michael Caldwell. When did you start running? Like, how long have you been running? I was 43 years old. Okay. So, like, two Started days. Started
1: 19 years ago. Yeah. Nice. I, w- I had lost a bunch of weight and this guy I knew who had been, a, like, a merchant marine or Navy SEAL or something like that, mm-hmm. but he was also a bass player, singer and mm-hmm. a sportscaster. Oh, cool. And that then he was teaching at a high school teaching media, yeah. like in a building like this, right? And he said to me, why don't you meet me out at the park on Saturday, and wear some running shoes if you, mm-hmm. you have any? So I did, and he said, "Well, let's go." And so we ran two miles, and he said, "Meet me out here next Saturday." Next Saturday we ran four miles. Wow. Every week we put on two miles yeah. extra, and he finally told me, I'd, "I'd like you to run the New York City Marathon. I'm going to, I'm going to register you for it, and I'm going to pay for it." Whoa! But you got to get your own plane ticket. And That's my first wild. race of any distance. 5k 10k <laughs> half marathon i'd never done any of those uh-huh it was the new york city marathon i trained for a marathon for my first race wow i got done with the marathon went to the family area because my brother lives in new york yeah. he did it at the time he still mm-hmm. does and met him at the end and my friend who yeah. had signed me up flew to new york to see me finish
0: that's amazing
1: and so he was an incredible influence and mm-hmm. uh you know Every time I run, I think about like, hey, you know, this isn't like just a goofy thing you're doing to to try to be in shape. This is like a legacy to somebody else's like love for other people. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm lucky that and he he did that for literally dozens and Mm -hmm. dozens of other human beings. Like just it was like, hey, meet me at the park on Saturday. It's like I thought for what?
0: (laughs) I love that. I haven't given like a definitive definition of talent or art or whatever, but to me, that is it, right? To be able to, I have this thing that I can give and whether it's, I can, I can give someone else the gift of running, right? Mm -hmm. And to be, and I love that you said the word legacy because Mm -hmm. it's something you get to carry with you. It's that piece of that person, right? now that person as long as you're on the planet you're sharing a bit of that human with every person that you come in contact with whether directly or indirectly
1: yeah we we touch people through words and through smiles and through uh sometimes we're mean to people sure and we touch them that way that usually isn't a positive thing unless they looked at it as corrective and took Mm -hmm. advantage of whatever um sometimes that there's a toughness um that, that accompanies those kind of communications. But there I mean there's so much context. The thing that I've really thought the most about for this is yeah. that we don't call an egg an omelet.
0: Oh, yeah, We don't correct.
1: call flour pasta. Uh-huh. We don't call a pumpkin a pumpkin pie. Right? right? We don't we don't call things what they are until they've become that. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've seen in in my lifetime in doing all kinds of different things, because as a musician and a music teacher, Mm -hmm. you do a lot of adjudication. You do a lot of evaluating Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how to frame things constructively for other people so they can get from here to here to here to here to here. Sometimes the leaps are huge, sometimes they're really small. But when you study other people and you study how people learn, Mm you realize that that human beings are a very complex recipe right <laughs> yes. we, we're, we're made up of all these different pieces yeah. and then we we touch the earth
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then something starts called development and so i i sometimes struggle with the notion that we can identify somebody as talented mm-hmm. because they they kind of show signs of being good at something. Yeah, that that's part of their recipe. The the complex intersection of that recipe mm-hmm. to come up with something that not everybody can do. Mm-hmm. So not everybody can play the piano beautifully. True. I, 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 a story that just happened this morning. Yeah. I don't don't really buy a lot of things. And when I do buy something, I try to take care of it and keep it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I drive older vehicles. I have a phone that's almost three years old. Mm -hmm. And I visited a person today who his role in my life today was to replace the battery in my phone because it wasn't holding the charge like it was when I got it. Yeah. So for 35, 40 minutes, I spent time in the presence of this person to watch him work with his hands with these tiny little screws Mm -hmm. and these tools. To me, wasn't he did not start nine years ago.
2: Right.
1: He was probably dropping things on the floor to me to watch the result of Mm -hmm. the development of those skills was fascinating yeah and i can't do what he does it doesn't mean i couldn't possibly develop that mm-hmm. and i was also thinking of another contextual word the this word development mm-hmm. because in fundraising and like in university and corporations yeah. we call them development officers
0: interesting yes.
1: yes and we don't call them development officers because they call somebody and get a big check right However, that person does their job because people that are good at it raise a lot of money, right? <laughs> yes. Great development officers that I've met, they consider everybody a donor
2: mm-hmm. because
1: they know that 100 people giving $100 is the same as one person giving 10000 I think I did mm-hmm. the math right on that. Yes. So, They make a connection. They develop the relationship, Mm -hmm. hopefully into a friendship. That friendship results in wanting to know more about you, what you do, who you are, who you reach, Mm -hmm. and might follow with a small donation. Mm -hmm. Then when they see what you do with that donation, how you develop whatever that program is, then maybe a bigger donation. And the next thing you know, they're naming the school or college or something like that. Most of the development is done through people building those relationships Mm -hmm. and connecting with people in one way or another so is is that a talent right is the talent of the person to have the patience to Mm -hmm. have the ability to believe in so much beyond it being their job yeah they find something they believe in and then they—that's what they do. They raise money for that because they know it takes extracurricular funds to fund a big organization.
2: Yeah,
1: it takes a lot of money to staff and run those, even with volunteers. Yeah, to run an organization like that, so people have to be really good at telling the story mm-hmm. of their re- relationship. So, I think in some ways, when when you invited me to participate in this, yes. one of the things that I thought about was. I, I have a long career as a musician, but I also put a big pause in the middle mm-hmm. to be an administrator.
0: More than once, right? Or well, just the, it kind of once I started, started yeah. doing that,
1: I then, you know, department chair, faculty affairs. Yeah. Uh, Working at the Chancellor's office, Faculty Affairs. Working at the Chancellor's office again. <laughs> I, I must have a short attention span um, because you know, two, three years of doing something, I was ready for the next thing, mm-hmm. or something changed in the environment that, that wasn't pleasing to me, and I sure. said, let, "Let me do something else." And now that I'm back in music, mm-hmm. having been the chair, and now that I'm done being chair in a few weeks, now I'm in this whole new space. Yeah where I always listen to music. I mean, music is, you know... It's your lifeblood. I mean, I'm. Mm. trust me, I know people that aren't musicians, that can't sing, that can't play an instrument, sure. that listen to music way more than any musician I've ever met, sure. literally all day long. Sure. You've met people like that, right? Mm-hmm. They always have music going yeah. in. It. There's some kind of...
0: And there's a knowledge bank there, and there's a passion, and yes. and, and, and you're right. It doesn't have to be that they're a musician or that they even know any, but it's just so much an integral part of who they are and how they get through the world and how they see things.
1: Yes, and yeah. they know the, the pathology, they know mm-hmm. the background, the training, who they performed with. Mm-hmm. Um, I met somebody one time. I, I love the singing voice. I love the voice of Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. I love to hear that golden, syrupy, constant, frenetic. There's so much energy there. Yeah. and and, But she wasn't without some kind of environmental, almost passive kind of influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was surrounded by people who knew entertainment. And I kind of made a list of, of a few things for me that... We I think we we had to recognize something that in developing these skills that for some people it takes more work than others. Sure. They might end up at about the same place. I sure. remember I remember sitting on the stage as a professional trumpet player. Uh, part of what I did in the past was I, I moved to Seattle for three years in freelance. I, I was able to audition for the conductor in his house, with which that hasn't you know, they don't do that anymore. But he invited me to come play at his house because yeah. I was doing an interview for a publication. And he said, well, bring your trumpet next time. And so I played for him. And he said, I, I would love to have you play with the orchestra. But I'd grown up listening to the conductor, who was oh. a trumpet player. Nice. Who gave up playing the trumpet to become a conductor. And he was yeah. one of the greatest trumpet players in the world, Ger- Gerard Schwartz. Amazing trumpet player. He was in the New York Philharmonic when he was 17 years old. Oh, dang. I remember thinking, hearing these two players that were next to me, but how beautiful. Hmm like for me the the pleasure was not playing in the orchestra it was hearing them like Mm. from a couple feet away right sitting next to them and then oh they're normal people who just talk about fishing or like (laughs) riding their bike or one of them actually rode their bike to rehearsals and concerts you know it's i don't think because somebody has to work harder than somebody else to get the same or similar result Mm -hmm. to be professional or at the top of their field or or even just good.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't think it means they're less talented. I agree. I think think it means their recipe is different. Yeah. You know, their their brain works different and there are many things that factor into how hard or easy it is to develop something. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I turned 60 last September. If I decided... That I wanted to learn how to play tennis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I played tennis a little bit when I was younger. It was mostly like we, you know, played like we made, me and my friends. We would make up tennis games. Sure, sure. You know, it wouldn't be real tennis, and then you right. know it'd be like you'd have to like gamble or whatever. We would still assess each other like that was a really amazing shot. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there was this kind of like positive thing that was going, even though none of us could play. Yeah. There was this positive thing about encouraging each other and having fun and laughing and Mm -hmm. banging into the net and falling down and all those things that the the learning process. So if I learn tennis now, my goal would not to be a great tennis player. My goal would be to have fun. Mm hmm and to to breathe in some fresh air and to have make some new friends and all those kind of things. So that at my age and my physical condition could I become really good? I think I probably could come become pretty good.
2: Mm-hmm. Compete
1: at my age, you know, sure. maybe 1 millionth in my class or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean in the in the world of people sure. who play tennis over 60. But the things that factor into the to the growth of somebody to where we recognize that something special is happening. Yeah. Like when you hear Whitney Houston or I remember uh, I went to the Novo and I heard Brandy. Mm -hmm. She influenced an entire generation on on fashion, on language, on, on, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was like Everybody looked up to brandy at, at yeah. some point, I mean, depending on who they
0: were yeah. um, and she crossed a lot of, um, of circles too because of her television show and the movie appearances she did and you know absolutely. she wasn't there wasn't necessarily just oh this is the box that she fits in
1: yeah, absolutely and I don't know how far along in her career she was, but I mean she clearly didn't look like a teenager anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I watched her on stage, and I was surrounded by all these people in the Novo standing up. But I watched, and I thought, she's having so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not fake. Right. This is not somebody up there, like, gets off stage, starts yelling at people and asks for their check. Right. Th- that's not how it is. My guess is she probably stayed around for hours talking mm-hmm. to people, signing autographs, whatever. I don't know that for a fact. But sure. There was just a, a, a joyfulness there that... If what you do doesn't bring that to you, Mm -hmm. then it might appear to still be talent. But I feel sad about that.
2: Yeah,
1: that that someone's exposure to this amazing thing that's happening with them, or people who are so hypercritical that they can't get beyond that, that they can't Mm -hmm. let. Sometimes you just have to let some stuff fall on the floor. Yeah, and realize that you know there's an opportunity to do it again
0: yeah well and if there's a catharsis right because that that level of joy that is so palpable that it comes through to the audience and that the people watching and the people present can feel it too so it's real like you said it's genuine um that has that reaches that sort of catharsis level because i could be on stage um doing medea and it's not that i don't it's like if i'm in it and i'm going through this tragedy then i'm probably not actually feeling joy at that moment i'm feeling overwhelmed and i'm feeling like the world is ending because i am so in the moment of this character in this story right and it's afterwards the joy the there will be joy right of the oh i was so present and i was so connected to the story and i and every feeling that I was having, Medea was having, and they were watching Medea have and me have, right? Like, it was all one. It was all this synchronous thing. Yeah. Um, and that sort of catharsis state of being able to be in an emotional state, be in one's own presence and one's own power and one's own truth, even though maybe the word truth is sometimes like, oh, I'm in my truth. People get a little cliched with it or they feel it's cliched but i think it's the the here's me here's my essence here's my being here's my, my the core of my storytelling and i'm going to share it with you in all its vulnerability so you can see holy joyful holy sorrowful holy all of it right whatever it is
1: yeah and there's a there's an objectivity and a subjectivity to mm-hmm. all of this mm-hmm. like what where are you positioned to actually yeah see any of that Mm -hmm. right whether you're an audience member or whatever i i I used to think i think i still do uh uh, but i'm not i'm not sure actually i'm kind of maybe maybe i'm both i i I don't know but i used to think that i didn't care if somebody on stage was communicating with the audience Mm -hmm. and a lot of times i don't care now like i remember seeing miles davis at the Montreux jazz festival in like 1985 or something like that and I, like, I didn't... Gosh, I didn't know anything. I, I thought, it, you know, I was a young musician. I was a pretty good trumpet player. and, and But I, I I, was exploring lots of different kinds of music. And and I was like, I'm here and Miles Davis is performing and I will do anything to see this. And yeah. I don't remember how I got a ticket, but I did. And I got in and, and the music started and Miles came on stage. And he hadn't even played a note yet.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: there was just something about... The family that was on stage, the way they were looking at each other, yeah. like, they were all looking at each other like, we are going to do something mm-hmm. crazy for the next two hours. Yeah. And yeah. it was. Yeah. And he spent most of the concert with his back to the audience. Sure. Which was kind of typical Miles Davis. Sure. And the musicians, they weren't flamboyant, they weren't putting on a show, they were they were talking to each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember that very vividly because a lot of times people make the point about connecting with the audience. Mm-hmm. But when I go to a performance, when I go to a show, when I go to see a play, or an opera, or a musical, or the LA Phil, or a jazz club, or walk by a bar at Redondo Beach and hear mm-hmm. a band, I don't need to be communicated with. I want to live in that moment vicariously through those people. Exactly. I want to be them in that moment, or Mm -hmm. I want to be part of what they are. Mm -hmm. And I guess there there are some performers They have the ability to bring you in. Mm -hmm. But if you're on stage telling the story, I want to feel the story. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to talk to me. Right. I need you to talk to the other characters. and, And so how much does theater intersect with television, which is a, such a different medium,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where you don't have to project, where you can do it 35 times, sure. and where you can have a whole, you can have more sure. film with bloopers than actual good footage, right? <laughs> sure. You can't do that in theater. No. It's yeah. like playing music. Mm-hmm. You the, the downbeat hits. Yeah. And it's showtime, and you have to perform. And there's sometimes variance. There's flexibility, but you really have to have it together. You do not to say that people in television and film don't have it together. Right, but in real time, it's the performer sure. de- delivering. There, in in these other mediums, there's such an interaction with a director and mm-hmm. a performer. Right. Who they? Who, what do they call the performers? I in... Guess. in television? Actors? The talent.
0: Oh, the talent! yes.
1: Right. <laughs> like, so I mean, I've been on set before. Where I'm <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. background work, and they say, "Okay, uh, bring in let, the talent." Yeah, bring in the talent. Yeah. And, you know.
0: Yeah. So well, I mean,
1: that's interesting. And
0: that in they that call medium the too, talent. you've got the, the, you know, when it reaches the audience, right? It's it's not just, you're not just seeing what the actors doing. You're also, and the director has directed them to do it. But the editor, you know, the the cinematographer, the sound mixer, mixer the you know, all of those people have. It's gone through the filters of other people's interpretations as well Very much it so. reaches
1: a big, very yeah. large number of
0: people. Right. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I and and <laughs> I'm more of a theater person than TV film. Um, whether someone's doing something super campy, right, or melodramatic, even in camp, even in the most dragged-out drag queen performance, right, for it to not just be some somebody's passion project that maybe went wrong or, or didn't go so well those characters have to feel like they're real like they're really talking to each other right even if they're in the most you know sort of outlandish situation or but they have to believe their outlandishness and they have to have fun with it like you said they have to enjoy what they're doing The the performer has to enjoy what i'm doing in this moment even even if the script maybe isn't as great as it could be right or i don't agree with what the director said but uh you know i'm gonna give this my all and everything i have in this moment and i'm gonna be uh, as present with my family my my other scene partners and aware of everything that's happening around me me, but like locked into telling this story with these other human beings, right? Absolutely. And then it works, hopefully. <laughs> it works, and and
1: if you if you do it well enough, the people who then have the talent to do all the post production right can amplify. Yes. Or de amplify. Is that is that a word? Deamplify? Sure. It is now. So I'll yeah, okay, we'll we'll put it in the in the lexicon. Um <laughs> the we'll probably talk an hour and I won't even get get to the list but i'll just say that well, and so, i haven't
0: actually technically asked you the question yeah so <laughs> that's the best you know, part
1: <laughs> that's the best part about editing right
0: uh, uh, yes
1: you move stuff around yeah and you just put the question at the beginning and move yeah. it i mean it's okay that's art right it's yes. i mean gosh the the editing piece that that's another thing people who edit yeah who know how to just make things seamlessly right. shift from one place to another that's that I mean, that's like a stroke of a paintbrush, you know. Oh, yeah. But I was thinking about exposure. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I was like 11 or 12, and, and I grew up part of my life from, like, fourth grade to the end of high school through two years of community college in a, in a city called Pittsburgh in the East Bay.
0: Okay, yes, yes.
1: And it's called Little Oakland. Mm-hmm. And it's a very diverse community, and it was a very tough community to be in. Mm-hmm. And... uh I love that I had the opportunity to go to a school where, like, this is way before anybody even used the word diversity. Sure. This is like to be surrounded by people who are terrifically different f- from me in so many different ways. Yeah. Just even what their parents might have done for a living. I mean, it was mm-hmm. amazing. But they, somebody in the county thought, well, let's put a big performing arts center in the middle of this city. Yeah holds 1200 people and so these cultural events would get, you know, plugged into the community and then they you know paper the house with tickets and sure so i was like 12 and i think i just started playing the trumpet okay. and uh one of my music teachers or somebody maybe it was an english teacher somebody gave me these tickets to go see the firebird ballet by the oakland ballet company
2: oh
1: i went to mm-hmm. see the firebird and you know, the, the staging had to be portable and had to mm-hmm. be work in different theaters. So it's not super sophisticated, yeah. like the millions of dollars they spend now yeah, on, yeah. on scenes and lighting and, or sets and lighting. But and it was recorded music. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: And the music started yeah. Igor Stravinsky, The Firebird Suite. Mm-hmm. And I heard those trumpets. Yes. I heard that sound i heard the, the the sweeping strings and i watched it interlock with the dancing mm-hmm. with the ballet dancer so i'd never seen a ballet dancer in my life wow ever since that moment i have loved watching people dance watching yeah. people uh, do ice skating uh-huh i love to watch ice skating when the yeah. winter olympics come out and watch that Uh, I'd love to see people move because my body doesn't do that very well, and it's just beautiful to me. But Mm -hmm. the interlock with the music, Mm -hmm. the choreography, seeing people who are extremely polished at that art form and how they can take music or the choreographer can take music and and kind of collaborate with the artist to create this this beautiful thing. And I was exposed to something very beautiful that then changed my life Yeah. because I thought I didn't know sounds like that existed.
2: Mm.
1: No, I didn't all of a sudden, you know, just like I'm not doing anything else and I'm just going <laughs> to listen to classical music. And then the next thing, my parents gave me a cassette tape with Clark Terry, a jazz trumpet player, and the other cassette tape was somebody playing the Hummel Trumpet Concerto yeah. whose name I don't even remember. And I'm a professional trumpet player. I just don't remember who was on that sure. tape. I think I might still have it in a box. Probably melted by now. Um, but that, those things I listened to over and over and over. And I yeah. thought, oh, I like the sound of this. Mm-hmm. This is like very cool sounding to yeah. me. Because when I played the trumpet, it didn't sound like that. <laughs> it sounded somewhat uh, akin to to an animal in struggle or something like that. Right. I mean, it... it and I used to sit in my room playing, but then I, once I heard those sounds and I started developing a passion and a mm. joy for this is like that exposure to that firebird yeah. suite. Like, I don't know how many people can think of the moment. right? But when I go back and think, what is the thing that made me say, I really want to be good at this? Mm-hmm. Not because I want to be famous or because mm-hmm. I want to, to be on stage with great people because i like it it makes me feel good there's something about my recipe Mm -hmm. that connects with this sound yeah and the other thing that happened was i had a high school teacher named david littleton Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we called him balu and he (laughs) he taught african-american history and he said you ought to join our club and i i said what's the club and he said it's the african-american african-american cultural association and and i'm not african-american <laughs> yes. but i was a minority in my school sure and he knew that i it somehow got through the grapevine that this guy plays trumpet pretty well he's yeah. you know trying to develop in different ways and he did something I I joined I went I went to all the meetings I learned I I learned all of these things about culture that I I didn't know I learned about things that were happening in the United States Mm -hmm. I learned about how things were impacting uh, African American people and then the, the moment came and he said I want you to come to my apartment and bring a friend who likes music yeah so I had this friend named Larry played the drums yeah But we went there, and he, you know, gave us each a a Coke. And then he put on Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Uh, Yes. And after we were done, he gave me the tape. And that was the other thing, because I heard that amazing group. It Mm -hmm. wasn't just a trumpet playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the whole group.
2: Yeah.
1: And that, that ride symbol of Art Blakey playing and just thinking, I would love one day to play with people like this, yeah, and so then I started exploring. So I, am a multi-genre player. I never mm-hmm. got stuck in one place, and and I'm okay with people who are. I don't, I don't. I guess I don't sure. call them stuck. They just right, like right. classical music, or they like playing funk, or jazz, or playing mm-hmm. playing the top forty bands, or or banda, or mariachi, whatever. Yeah. People like to do what they'd like to do, but I like to do everything. Mm-hmm. Though I don't think I've done everything. I've done almost everything. And I'm thinking about how important that that exposure and the diversity of environment yeah. plays into that access to education. I was so lucky because yes. I was in the school. It was a poor community. It was like, you know, but the teachers that were there had a purpose. They, yeah. they had a mission, They had a purpose to help and to be part of that and seeing people grow. And there's just something different about that kind of yeah. space than like a wealthy school or something like that. And some people get private lessons when sure. they're like really young and so that's that's another piece the, right. the quality of teaching that mm-hmm. people get because you know most things you don't develop without some kind of instruction right yeah. what's the quality of that uh, i think about wynton marcellus this amazing trumpet player mm-hmm. plays classical plays jazz he sounded incredibly first album with columbia records when he was 18 years old was given his first trumpet by Dizzy Gillespie yeah his dad's this great jazz musician and he's in at the New Orleans High School Performing Mm -hmm. Arts that's a different kind of environment that doesn't take away from his skill ability talent whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it Um, but that's those are, and he was surrounded by humans sure. and atmosphere and environment uh, somebody's interested in doing something do they, are they interested in it or yeah. are they just doing it because well I have to practice an hour a day because it's on my practice right. sheet that it, if you I don't do this I, I don't get to. lessons yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that yeah. um, their ability to focus right. or their inability to focus mm-hmm. because my, sometimes my inability to focus <laughs> my lack of ability to, to have a long attention span on something is why I found myself sometimes after three hours mm-hmm. going, oh, gosh, my mouth hurts. I've been playing the trumpet for three hours. I'm hyper-focusing. Well, I'm hyper-focusing, yeah. but I'm ignoring everything else I'm yeah, supposed yeah. to be doing. Yeah. And sometimes I would be like, where were you? Or, you know, whatever, <laughs> because I would just lose track of time. Yeah. Because I was immersed in this thing, even though I literally had other things I was supposed to be doing, appointments I had to make. Sometimes sure. I just didn't make it.
2: Sure.
1: And... Uh, the last few things are, you know, curiosity. What's what's somebody's mm-hmm. curiosity level? What kind of endurance do they have? Because right. becoming, developing a talent, skill, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's weird. That's such a chicken and egg word, right?
2: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
1: Talent before talent, after, after it becomes talent, <laughs> and it's all talent. Uh, the the endurance it takes to spend enough time doing something. Sure. What's the saying? Ten thousand hours before mm-hmm. you can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't even. What happens at the end of the ten thousand hours?
0: Um, the confetti cannons.
1: Well, you know, I I have a few points in my life where I think it might have I might have reached ten thousand hours. Yeah. Or I was just lucky, or maybe my circumstances were, uh, you know, due to a devotion of staying in it. Right. Yeah. So I mean, a, a couple of different things of my career. Uh, as an adult mm-hmm. there's a, a song that johnny mathis sings i was on stage i was playing with johnny mathis and he has this beautiful high tenor voice mm-hmm. and there's this, a song that he sings i don't remember the name where he hands off to the oboe and the oboe plays and and you have to have the the Back in the day when we had all these orchestras accompany people, mm. the like lead alto player had to play oboe or piccolo, or they yeah. had to play all the instruments, right? It's called doubling, mm-hmm. but some people tripled and quadrupled and quintupled. Right. And I remember this oboe player playing, and the oboe player plays a note. And if I, if I had Spotify, I'd be able to find it, the, the tune. And his voice takes over from mm-hmm. the oboe. And it's the same tone color... The same yeah. exact timbre, Ugh. pitch, sound, volume, yeah. shape, quality, everything those, those you say, you could not distinguish in that moment that it was a voice and an oboe and that the voice came and then it became Johnny Mathis. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've never forgotten that moment because I thought, I have to ask him how he did that. Yeah, And I never did. I played with him many times, and, yeah. I, and I, never, I never asked him, and, and if I can't even make up an answer. Sure. But who else does that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's a million people that can do that. Sure. But that moment was when I thought, not that I had made it as a player mm-hmm. or that I had developed a skill. I thought the work, the energy allowed me to be here to see that yeah. and to hear it. Yeah. That's when I thought maybe those 10,000 hours had kind of kicked in because I was lucky enough to be in. And I do like to say lucky mm-hmm. because there are moments in my yeah. life where I was the one on stage yeah. with whoever. Right. You know, right. I, I don't like to go through my resume, but there were, there were moments where I thought I'm in the presence of somebody who, okay, their, their father was Nat King Cole, Right? Mm-hmm. But, and maybe there's some DNA and some heredity and sure. some, some environment, all that. But her voice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They put up a big scrim and they put Nat Kinko mm-hmm. up there singing Unforgettable mm-hmm. and she would sing with him. Yeah. Just like the recording that came out later, yeah. right? But she did it live. Oh, my God. And I almost couldn't play. Right. It, it, for several tunes after that. I mean, it was just so... Powerful because I liked his voice. It's a very weird way of, of. Yeah. Uh, weird's not the right word, uh, unusual.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He had an unusual way of producing sound
2: mm-hmm.
1: that made his syllables kind of soft and, and he would kind of expand into a note. Like mm-hmm. I'm, very few people sing that way.
2: Yeah.
1: And the nepotism element of this is not lost on me. That sure. they're, you know, so I grew up. My mom like soap operas. She watched Days of Our Lives, uh-huh. and there was this character on there named Victor Cariocas. I think Cariocas, uh-huh. something like that. John Aniston. Yep. I didn't know till he died that he was Jennifer Aniston's <laughs> father. Uh huh. I didn't. I never made that connection. You know, I don't. I mean, I see the Hollywood Reporter, but I, you know, I don't really read it. You don't memorize it. You know, I, I like the. <laughs> You know, I mean, there are different, different things where, you, where yeah. you pick up this information. But I, I'd never been really a celebrity follower kind sure. of person. Yeah. So I didn't know that. And then immediately my brain went in and I thought, I went negative. And I thought, oh, sure. well, now we know she. And I thought, well, no, wait a minute. Right. She's really funny. I can't take away from her because her dad was John Aniston. Sure. But I'm pretty sure if her dad wasn't John Addison. She'd be still doing a lot of auditions, like almost everybody else. Even though she's really good, did that get her further? Yeah, of course it did. How can we say it didn't?
0: That industry, particularly, I think. Very much so. TV film, maybe maybe more so than some of the others, or 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 that celebrity. I think TV film has more of that. And music. Celebrity, you know. Pop music. Pop music certainly.
1: Yeah, there's Um, there's a lot of that.
0: Yeah, but it you know it's. there's something about nepotism. Yes, I ag- acknowledge that it exists and that it can, ha- and it's fair, it's got a negative connotation, right? But there's also just it, the genetics, right? There's the genet, there's the epigenetics of passing on something, of right. passing on a skill. If if one's mother or father or um, guardian was a really good cook and you got to stand in the kitchen and cook with that person all the time, you know, are 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 you a nepo baby of cooking because now you cook really well? I, I mean, like, or is that just someone passing on a skill? Yeah, I guess. the you know, I think it's more the, the the consumerism of if it then if it opens a door for you directly. It's like, oh, you're John Aniston's daughter. You have to come to this audition. That's where the nepotism is. Versus like, yeah. wow, you were really good. Oh, Aniston. Oh, yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. So you know does. Ice Cube's son playing Ice Cube in Straight Out of Compton is that nepotism? Well, he was amazing. Sure. He looks a lot like him. Right. And he he was very believable. Um, But I I learned recently that he spent two years taking acting lessons.
0: Yeah, he put in some work.
1: Put in a lot of work into it. And so I I wish there was another word. I let me let me come around the corner on that nepotism in used in kind of the employment context you got the job because of whatever sure sure i think what i'm speaking more to is i i kind of misnomered it is is advantage yeah i have an advantage like my demo Mm -hmm. that i did for somebody at at an a and r person at a record company that that heard me or that met me was done in a four million dollar recording studio Mm -hmm. versus in somebody's living room
2: yeah
1: though a lot of elvis's early recordings were done in somebody's (laughs) living room um but it was the sun records thing and you know all these different like does that make a difference i I think it does in some ways but is it everything no because Mm -hmm. every single person every recipe every every we're all different and so for, for the context of, of the conversation about where people evolve, mm-hmm. in, in the context of this talent conversation, yeah. where do people evolve? Some people stop because they give up. Yeah. And some people stop because they don't like the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They don't like the fact they're working their tail off and making $14,400 a right. year playing coffee shops. Whatever. Right. I mean, there are all these different reasons why people stop. Yeah. So the I guess the final thing that, that really... that captured my imagination when thinking
0: about this... About this vast landscape of talent.
1: Yeah, the the whole topic. Yeah. What, what I like to do is... When I know I'm going to be writing, speaking, Mm. you know, presenting, I like to think about it a lot early on, formulate the ideas, write them all down, and then just think about it for like a week or two. Yeah. And then maybe go back to the notes, but the notes just kind of become the trampoline for thinking. Yes. Right? And one of the, the things that is... It's, it's it's bothered me I like it it is annoying but it's exciting because it's people's opinions and yeah. so many people get stopped and shut down It it's like I thrive on hearing people who flat out disagree with me
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they sometimes will really come at you yeah But I want them to allow me to come back. Sure, sure. So you come come at me with the – and this is part of the bother exciting because you get to have these conversations with people about why they like things and don't like things. Mm -hmm. Because very often people define talent based on their preferences. Mm -hmm. And their preferences are always shaped – or often shaped – by their biases. We might be aware that we don't like something or someone, but we're not always sure why. Sure. And I think, you know, we've, we've had a decade now of unconscious bias,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we don't often think, like we point it out and we say that it exists, mm-hmm. but we don't explore why it became unconscious. Right. And I'm thinking about what happens so often when people are describing talent is they're often... And this is a the, kind of the proverbial they, right? Yeah, the ubiquitous they. People can be dismissive mm-hmm. because we like to often be known as smart. Sure. Or that our opinion matters mm-hmm. or that we know more than somebody. And I say we because we all do this. Yeah. In different varying degrees. For some reason, if I really don't like something... Mm-hmm. I toil to figure out why. Mm-hmm. Like, we have all these creations around us, including us and our recipes, right? Yeah. Why don't I like that? Maybe if it's even a person. Sure. What is it about that? Because what I have discovered in my lifetime, which I, you know, I wish I had known this like many, many years mm-hmm. ago, but it's even in the last couple of years, there have been circumstances where I've gone through self-discovery to say, why don't I like that? Yeah. And do you know that almost every single time, it doesn't have anything to do with the external. It mm. has something to do with something that's inside of me. Right. My biases that were created, my need to be smart, my need mm. to be correct, my need to be elevated, whatever that is that, that we all kind of have in us.
2: Sure.
1: And that doesn't make me happy. What makes me happy is going to the Novo and seeing Brandy. <laughs> And I, well, let, let, me, let me back up a little bit. You can leave your door open
2: mm-hmm.
1: on your home, right? There are probably some places that's safer than others. Sure. Right? But can we leave our door open on our brain?
0: Mm. Uh, something in that argument and uh, discussion about, you know, if you don't want to do this and don't do this or, or, or – go in and, and see this thing that maybe i've never been exposed to and not the thing i usually am exposed to and rather than jumping to the negative because it's not something i'm used to um take it in and go what is this oh wow i can appreciate that and like maybe i'll never come back here but i can you know see the work that's being done here there's been a a, a backlash and and conversations recently about um sometimes reviewers for say the new york times um I can't remember if it was Brantley or the other guy, um, going to see a piece of theater that was not written by white people for white people and eviscerating it. Not eviscerating it based on actual merit of... Yeah, the quality. But but yeah. going like, I didn't understand this and this story wasn't for me. And, and sometimes literally in the, that many words, right? Um, and people coming back to the to the publication and to the the writer going like it's not for you we didn't we didn't you know it's bilingual because that's how people are and there there's this whole audience over here that is in on the jokes and does appreciate this and yeah. is so thrilled to see themselves and and you know if you if if perhaps if you weren't sitting there Mr. Brantley or whoever right going oh, this isn't what I this isn't what I usually come to see you'd go like oh what am I watching what is this right and take it in
1: let's go back to something opening that door in the brain Mm
0: -hmm. I would argue
1: that it is for them yes I think the same you, you I think you said that that but it's not for you but what if it is for them
0: well and something doesn't have to be made for me to for me to appreciate it
1: or to recognize the talent
0: or to recognize that it it has just as much that it should take up just as much space as anything that was made quote for me in quote right yes and yes. for me to know that there is infinite space for the infinite stories and for me to yeah. recognize like okay maybe maybe this will never be for me in a sense that like it's not going to be the first thing that I pick up or, or buy a ticket to because right. but like when Boy Genius comes to town I really want to go see those queer ladies sing right um, I, and, but like why is it why, why is it for them why do, why do these people want to come see it oh my gosh what is giving them joy when they're taking in their stories what is, what is, what is being celebrated here or mourned here or you know even if I'm never going to fully get it quote get it right like, that's okay. And I don't have to get mad at that. And I don't have to feel excluded and, mm-hmm. and, and feel like, well, this shouldn't be here because I'm not a part of it. Or whatever it is that someone decides to, as <laughs> my mom would say, get their panties in a bunch. <laughs> and get their panties in a bunch about. Yeah. Um and, and, and so, like, oh, okay, you've got, I'm allergic to those donuts, but I'm going to watch you enjoy them cuz my gosh it's gluten is making me break out in the hives but you are enjoying the heck out of the apple fritter. and that's giving me joy and yeah I'm or giving appreciating it the recognizing
1: yeah. I, I mean i'm i'm pausing because of what everything that you just said i thought was really <laughs> re, really to capture that in the way that you did i thought was was very pleasing to my ears sure because i think the there's a talent in in being able to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I I had to do in my administrative time, I had to do collective bargaining. Yes. I've had to do do very political things. I'm yeah. not a political person.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm a listener and I had to get in people's business and I mm-hmm. had to, you know, argue very intensely with people and I and I and I also protect those who are around me. Yeah. And I don't like mindless edicts coming from without asking people how that might affect right. them right. Um, though, I struggle with those things and I, I fight back sometimes about that and I don't apologize about it and if you're hurt by that then come talk to me
0: yeah
1: let's have a conversation yeah and
0: that open door that you talked about
1: and I and I'll do the same thing but there are times where the the reason for doing it is very different than the actual element of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then you you just can't talk to the person, right? You can't you sure. can't reconnect. And sure. it's either your choice or theirs. I mean, we're all we all experience this. Mm-hmm. And I I think when when we're kind of narrowing the scope of the, the conversation of how does all of that influence people's choices of how they're mm-hmm. going to spend their time yeah. and their life and I hope that the talent, the new talents that people are being exposed to, yeah. because we only saw a certain type of people during a certain type of thing, during right. a certain type of day, right. during time of day, during in a certain place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now that we're seeing this expand mm-hmm. and change, there are a whole—there's a very large group of people in this world that want it all to go back just to the way it was sure. before. And there's— another group of people who want to see it go even further. Mm -hmm. And I always think about people like Regina King. Mm, Yeah, she, you could tell, I mean, I'm not the the best adjudicator of this, but I could tell when I first saw her acting that this is a person with staying power, like Mm -hmm. she's really good. The energy there was like really, really cool. And I've, it's the same thing with musicians. You just hear people at a certain stage, and it's like there's something so special that's going on there that I almost don't want to define it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just want to experience it. Yeah. Right? And when I was thinking about Regina King and all the different kind of roles and all the different kind of things she's she's played, think about if things were different, mm-hmm. how many more times we would have seen her. Right. And I'm just hoping what we're experiencing right now isn't just reactionary Mm -hmm. or temporary because the art, all art, is changing.
2: Yeah.
1: And more of those doors are opening. We have a responsibility as consumers, not necessarily with our dollars, but into our ears, eyes, and everywhere else we take in things, Mm -hmm. you know all these senses that come in we have a responsibility to just shut the heck up and listen mm-hmm. how how can we like what would, would I would go back to my K- kindergarten through eighth grade experience of teaching young people in a small farm town
2: mm-hmm. while
1: I'm trying to get a doctorate because I needed to eat <laughs> yes but I loved it it was incredible and yeah. I learned more from that job than any other job I've ever had I learned more from those young people about life and and so many things that that's an amazing like wide range of ages k-8 mm-hmm. yeah. but when i when i was doing that at that point in my life there's a there's a beauty to the human when they say what they're thinking and the fences haven't been put up around it yet yeah right it's it's yeah. so honest and expressive and and real and funny and offensive and all <laughs> kinds of things right yeah. but there's the fences not haven't, haven't been put up and then you sure. can see you can see with different young people like mm. oh the fence has yeah. gone up on this yeah. and and other people you can see well they've been encouraged to be expressive and to be themselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be open and, and to be loving and thoughtful and kind and naive and all these other things yeah. that um and other people had things you can tell something happened to them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like something somebody hurt them. And you see all these different perspectives of of that when you're when you're with that age group. And I think back to that time where I've never spent more time listening mm. than that time because they never stopped talking. Yeah. That age, you know, those ages they yeah. just talk and talk and talk and talk. And it. There's a certain skill, art, talent to getting that to stop so you can teach without yelling at people. And you have to be interesting enough that somebody wants to hear what you have to say or that what you have is something they want. And and you have to keep them active. So, you know, there's active learning element to it. That's the thing I miss. I wish I could do that with like I could have (laughs) that with adults. Yeah. But we, you know, there and, and there's no judgment on this statement but people they get fenced in yeah by politics they get fenced in by by uh, Sometimes abuse just time, too by by trauma yeah by yeah time responsibilities yeah. uh family all kinds of things fence people in and they close down yeah and my favorite thing to do with people is to just be mindless oh yeah you know i mean really it is my very favorite thing to do even if it's like the person at the tire shop, you know, yeah. just to be mindless and just talk and, like, open stream yeah. and not have to be right or be anywhere. Just kind of be there, like, in that yeah. time.
0: Be present. That's is where... that mindless or is that actually perhaps the most mindful? It,
1: it's probably both.
0: Yeah. You know, at I mean,
1: it, it depends who's defining it, right, sure, sure. or how we're defining it, what the context yeah. is, but, the, sure. but that to me... The the reason I brought that yeah. the kids and that yeah. whole thing up is because that's the thing that was probably permeating my brain the most about this conversation, mm-hmm. because what happens when, well, if if you have this thing that you do and you do it hours and hours every day and you're in a room by yourself, and nobody ever sees it, sure, or you you can't get by stage fright or right, uh, what's the technical term for that? Stage fright. I think there's another term, isn't there?
2: Paralysis.
1: It's more, yeah, it's a a more complex term. Um, And people take drugs and all kinds of things to try to get over it. And some people like, you know, smoke dope. Performance anxiety? Performance anxiety. There it is. Yeah, I've done, I've actually done workshops on performance anxiety. And there's this thing about performance anxiety that that it can be debilitating for some people. And they can't get by it. And then they never, you never see that thing. Yeah. That's a skill. That's a talent. Like to be able to do whatever it is in front of people. Mm-hmm. And it's that thing that I was describing, that freedom. Yeah. That, hey, even if this person who's on stage or in this film or making music, mm-hmm. even if they have all these terrible things that have happened to them or have True. gone in their life, for that moment, it all drips away. Mm-hmm. Or it feeds it. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you get to, like I said before, live vicariously in that moment. And even if they aren't reaching out to you, Mm -hmm. seeing to you or playing out to you, you're in a bond. Yeah. With that person. And you could be in a stadium with 20,000 people. All of you bonded to that moment, to that person, to that thing.
0: Breathing together.
1: That's talent. Mm -hmm. You know, and in the most unintentional moments...
0: Yeah.
1: Have you know, in especially in music where, where I live, mm-hmm. the unintentional moments where the the tune doesn't go like the record. Sure. Oh where gosh. Yes. It's like the the singer misses coming in and yeah. the guitar player plays another chorus. Yeah. And it's killer. It's right. way better than the right. one that they've always played. And the one that they played was the one that's on the record, but because mm-hmm. the singer didn't come in and then later you find out the singer didn't come in on purpose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's those things that that are that happen there.
0: One of the things I love about being an, an artist, but I, I think that there's art in everything and there's art in the everyday is that freedom. Right. There's the um, Richard Schechner, who did or wrote a lot about performance theory and did a lot of postmodern theater work. Um, he he wrote in one of the intro to his book, Performance Theory, Essays on Performance Theory, Because theater is liminal, subjective, and dangerous, it must be hedged in with conventions. Oh, liminal, duplicitous, and dangerous. The stage is both real and not real, right? I'm here, I'm with you, but I'm also not with you because I'm doing my thing up here, but I'm also with you out there. And all of our molecules are touching, but not touching. And this Mm -hmm. sort of liminal space of potential before anything gets actually defined, right? Before that freedom of the infinite gets put into this is the right note or the wrong note or i really love this or oh i wish they were playing that other song or whatever it is right the 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 moment our mind defines the thing or or puts a label on or puts a boundary or a fence around it and like striving for that pure liminal space which is the irony of trying to define talent (laughs) because i think sometimes that the Moments in which we most truly feel someone else's talent or our own is when we're just present with someone else's freedom or we're present with our own freedom. Yes. To just exist to be.
1: And also to be free to not like it. Sure. To say I don't like this at all, but that's no reflection. Right. On what it took to make this happen like the ability the skill but yeah some people don't like rap whatever for whatever reason but when you start digging Mm -hmm. for those reasons and that's that is the sad part of about all this conversation to me is that there's so much beauty and some beauty is ugly but Mm -hmm. it takes on its own form of beauty because Mm -hmm. you allowed yourself to experience it yes And the way that it moves you or shapes you or something, instead of avoiding it, Mm -hmm. the cause and effect of everything that you put in your brain is what it is. (laughs) And if we we do not put ourselves in the position through conversation, through listening, through people's recommendations, Mm -hmm. through being present...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I remember the first time I went to see the Preservation Hall Jazz mm-hmm. Band in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and it's just this little room. There's little benches, and I don't maybe holds fifty people, and they yeah. do several shows a day.
2: Yeah.
1: And and they're really good musicians. Mm-hmm. And remember sitting there, thinking. I could do this all day long
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it wasn't playing and right. I, I play like right. that kind of music right I mean that's part of what I do but it was like no I could sit here <laughs> and then they came to the Ford Theater yeah. and saw Preservation Hall with Trombone Shorty and, and Dave Grawl came out and played mm-hmm. played with everybody great show but I I love the the opportunity that you've given me to think about this
0: well, now you have to be put on the spot. Well, you don't have to. It's your, yeah. you, you're a human. You have free will. So if you had to give the elevator pitch version and someone said, Michael Caldwell, how do you define talent? And you got, you know, you're in the elevator for the next minute. What do you say to him?
1: I'd say there's two pieces to it. Okay. One is the ability to do something that due to the complex intersection of your own human recipe, not every person is able or designed to do. Mm-hmm. That's real special. I mean, that that feels special to me. This is something special. Yeah. And then the other part is this concept of development. Mm-hmm. The development of whatever this thing, whether it's talent at the beginning or talent at the end. Sure. The development of it. Yeah. Figuring out how to make something good, mm-hmm. to me, is the talent.
2: Totally.
1: It's not the beginning, like the special thing that somebody has because yeah. their genetics, they you all know, gave them this beautiful voice, or them standing on stage at the Apollo or at right. Carnegie Hall. Right. It's the thing in between. hmm That, to me, is the talent. It's the development of the growth, the process, yeah. the learning, the pain, the tears, the laughter, the joy, the things that you have to do to get your foot in the door yeah the you know sometimes playing for free and all that you know all that scraping sleeping in your car doing all these things Mm -hmm. chain smoking and all these other (laughs) things that we do along the way right uh you know intoxication sobriety all those different things that you know are some part of somebody's picture and not part of another person's picture but what are all those things that happen in between those like Mm -hmm. when you really hit and so i love that that's a long time for a lot of people right it could be Mm -hmm. 10 years it could be five years it could be 20 years
0: Could be their whole life
1: their whole life and the only thing that that keeps coming back to my mind because this kept popping up in the stuff I was writing about this. Mm -hmm. The only thing that that I'm kind of left with that really is behind almost everything that we talked about Mm
2: -hmm.
1: is I sure hope that most of it's enjoyable. Right. And then now that I'm I'm older and I've experienced Mm -hmm. life and hopefully picked up some wisdom along the way that I can share with people that are learning and part of it's because I spent four hours a day blowing on a trumpet yeah. for hours and hours and hours and also listening to other people and mm-hmm. getting critiqued and, and being rejected and mm-hmm. and winning and losing and, <laughs> and when it all came to the point where we're sitting here today with this beautiful microphone <laughs> and this nice conversation yeah. I've had a great time like I cannot think even the point where I've like got mad at the conductor, or, sure. or you know, got tired of somebody playing out of tune, or whatever it is, yeah. I've enjoyed it. And to me, that's the that's the the birth, that's the beginning.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, that's the talent. The talent is to develop it, have that whole big space in between, and enjoy it. It doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't sure. mean you're not going to be some, <laughs> some some terribly bad days. Yes. And some horrifying, embarrassing moments that come along with it. <laughs> but it should be fun.
2: Yeah. It, well, should,
1: so. it should have joy to it. And that's pretty much a consistent thing that I've seen with pretty much regardless of the genre.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You pick up that joy. And it doesn't yeah. mean, like I said, that that person isn't experiencing in their life some sure. massive amount of difficulty around them when they leave the stage or mm-hmm. the recording studio or whatever but in that moment something happens yeah and i like to be part of that even if i'm just watching it mm-hmm. even if i'm sitting in a jury watching somebody play the violin and it's like okay now that was pretty good but that like 11 seconds mhm at the at the modulation yeah was and that's what my brain does i try my brain pulls out the good stuff i'm i'm actually a terrible adjudicator because i just (laughs) i rate everybody i rate everybody based on that moment right right i don't rate like attitude or okay you write that stuff down and (laughs) work on your intonation and all those kind of things but i typically tend to adjudicate based on (laughs) the highest point right because that's what i'm looking for that's what i want that's what i'm there for And that's that's the joy and the fun of it. And I'm glad that people are continuing to develop this. Yes, that's the hope. So I hope I answered the question. I mean, I gave you an answer, but I've I've also been fascinated with the other podcasts that I've listened to of people that I know really well. (laughs) And you know what I realized after listening to them? Yes. I don't really know them very well. I can't wait to hear more because you're doing this with a lot of people that I that I'm Mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. And I'm liking that you didn't, like, select uh, only the full professor (laughs) with 30 years, right? No. Award-winning, whatever. You're picking people who do all kinds of different stuff. The RICO thing was just fabulous. I mean, I'm RICO's supervisor. (laughs) And I was like... That was so fun yeah. to go on his journey with him and yeah. go on that ride. I'm, so I'm really glad you're doing this, and I'm glad that you're giving space to people who ordinarily are behind the scenes and don't get the space.
0: Sure. Well, and I think that, I mean, for me, that's part of it, this question of talent, I think, especially um, in our current social media-driven, you know, TikTok fame kind of days, um, maybe some of the younger generations or even people, you know— um, my generation and older uh, confuse fame for talent and that uh, you know it's only the people who are on the front page of the magazine who are the talented people and none of that's true to me
1: that talent of, of being able to reach people in that yeah. way whatever way whatever your recipe is
0: exactly that. i love that i love the way. recipe um i have to go back to work don't <laughs> but i do A big thank you to Michael Caldwell for being today's guest on Defining Talent, a podcast. And thank you to everyone out there tuning in to listen. For more information as well as previous episodes and guests, you can always visit www.definingtalentpod.com. New episodes are released every other Friday, and on Friday, December 29th, 2023, my guest for episode 18 is the awesome Colin Bressy, who has many things, including an actor, a certified fight choreographer, a theater lecturer at several schools in addition to Cal State LA, and the co-owner of West Coast Armory. It's going to be a great episode. Again, I'm Laura Dickinson-Turner, and this has been Defining Talent, a podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. We'll see you next time.